Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition, a brand new edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions today. The number to get on the air is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. And of course, we have a dedicated texting line that's open. Uh, it's actually now open 24 hours a day, seven days a week for prayer requests. So if you have a prayer, you're up late at night, you're uh, unable to sleep, you've got just got bad news and you don't have anywhere to turn, primarily you can text us. And that text will be read. Sometimes it's read immediately. Sometimes it's read later. Uh, so just think of it as the timing of the Lord. He's got that all under control. And we pray over it. We have a prayer team. And our beginning today, our staff, our team here, is getting all the email requests as well. Uh, so we can pray for you. And we can remember you before the Lord. And then from 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock Mountain Standard Time, during the time of this show... Uh, we are also taking Bible questions there, uh, and you can connect with us to, uh, you know, Bible question. You can also send a prayer request in. Uh, you don't want to be on the air verbally, but you want to express something. Uh, it may or may not get on the air. We use the texts to fill in time, so, you know, you may or may not get on the air, but send it in anyway, 720-336-0897. Is the number to text 720-336-0897. Just put it in your phone, put uh, Calvary Live Text, and and then the number to get on the air is 303-690-3000. Uh, what a wild ride the month of March and April has been. Uh, super challenging in many ways. Uh, lots going on. Uh, what are we? We're toward the end, the last couple days of April, and here in Colorado, there there is a uh, the the stay at home order has been lifted. However, our church happens to be in a county in Arapahoe County that the health department has superseded the state and extended our stay at home order, uh, and it's just really bizarre. Uh, all the different entities and all the different, you know, from the federal level to the state level to the city level to the health department level, uh, it seems like everybody is clamoring to speak up and make decisions. Uh, it's interesting because in our uh, county, we have a what's called a tri-county health, uh, and it's three different counties, but they exempted one of them. So the health department has two counties under lockdown and the other one, they let it go. And, uh, it's just unbelievable. Um, you know, just, just bizarre and wild. Um, uh, I'm sure whether I, I know my friends in New Jersey, you guys 
have a, some significant hot spots in various parts of your state, New York as well, and you guys are facing all sorts of things. But then you guys down south, North Carolina, South Carolina, I mean, Georgia is letting churches meet this weekend, and and we have no such thing here. Um, and then and and then some states yes, some states no, some states maybe, some states uh, we ne- we don't know. It could be in a, twelve months, and um, you know we need to pray. And we need to pray, not not just for the churches getting back to meeting. That's actually not the most important part of this crisis. The most important part of this crisis is that people stay healthy and strong, that the most vulnerable in our in our society are protected and have a voice. Um, anytime we start talking about uh, economy, value of life, people start inserting this phrase. And I'm not a fan of this phrase. I don't like it because it changes the entire context of how you view a human being. Um, There's a biblical context. And here's the biblical context. You ready? Every human being is valued and is important. Uh, Even in the eyes of God, every human being, even the most wretched, because we're all wretched sinners to some degree, um, but even the most wretched person Jesus Christ died for, the wretched of the wretched. You know, if we start, we shouldn't even compare because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So from a biblical perspective, every life is valuable. But when you start interjecting things like, well, you know, the economy and, you know, they've lived their life, they've had a full life, and there's a word that gets inserted that absolutely shifts the thinking away from a biblical construct uh, more away from a, a, a objective biblical view of life and thrust it directly into the realm of the subjective opinion of man. Here's the word, you ready? People begin to speak of the quality of life. And then we begin to make assessments about how someone would enjoy their life. And it usually is, if I was them, I would. And we begin to make decisions that are not reflective of a, of a biblical worldview. And that's just the way it is. It's not, it's not a value statement. I'm not making a value statement on that. It's just a factual statement. <clears throat> the, the idea of the quality of life does not add or subtract value to life. You agree or disagree? Give me a call. I'd love to hear your point of view. I'd love to hear your biblical point of view. It's like, well, no, Ed, the quality of life's all over the Bible. All right, well, open it up and show me. I'd love to see. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. So what do you have on this discussion, on the bookends? In the womb, you have abortion. And in the aged, those that have aged you know, many years, you have euthanasia. And then along the way, you have... Uh, the quality of life issues of a person that, you know, they, 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 they even use this phrase. Uh, for a human being, they say that he's, he or she is in a vegetative state. Vegetative. That takes the humanity out of it completely. Uh, no longer human, living like a carrot or a celery. And it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, un, 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 unbiblical. And, and you, uh, I would be surprised if someone calls and gives me uh, a biblical foundation for minimizing the value of any life. Minimizing the value of any life in the eyes of God. Um, 
And while a human being that is 20 uh, is is probably capable of doing more activity and uh, running around and than a person that's 90, yeah, I, I, this isn't quantitative uh, differences in life. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's not qualitative differences in life. Obviously, there are differences. It is the, the quantitative uh, value that God places upon a person, no matter what their limitations are. Let me give an exa- another example. If a person uh, l- lost their arm, and so now instead of two arms, they have one arm, and they they have a different quality of life that's obvious because they can't do what two-armed people might be able to do as good, whatever, you know. I'm sure with prosthetics and stuff, you can learn to do things. It's amazing, unbelievable. But is a person with two arms more valuable than a person with one arm? And then somebody would say, well, come on, Ed, that's, come on. What kind of example is that? Okay, how about someone with no arms? Oh, come on, Ed. We're, we're talking about a person that's asleep. Uh, we're talking about a person that can't wake up. We're talking about a person that's lived their life. What do you mean live their life? They're still breathing. So they're still living their life. <laughs> they're not. That's not the past. Uh, and that's still someone's mother, someone's father, someone's aunt, uncle. It's still a vessel for God to send a message to humanity. Uh, so, so a lot of, a lot of, uh, this, this particular dilemma certainly raises some biblical, um, observations. And if you have some, let me know. 303-690-3000. We have no phone calls yet. So if you have a phone call, uh, I would love to hear from you. 303-690-3000. it's okay. Some days are slower than others, and I'm definitely not lacking for subjects to talk about. Uh, but as we launch off in another day, we have uh, we have still among us the challenge. And for us in Colorado, our governor uh, has instructed us to expect not to have uh, large gatherings of services for at least the month of May. And you know, very hopeful that changes. I know that things are radically changing from week to week and month, uh, every week or two weeks. So we're certainly hopeful that things change. Um, but again, in the whole scheme of things, uh, gathering together in a building uh, is not a is not as important as life. And again, a lot of different opinions on that. But let's stick to the Bible. Uh, and let's let's think through biblically because that's the safest place, and it's a place where we can park our our opinions, uh, and let our mind be transformed. Let 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 us be re let, let let us enjoy the renewing, being transformed by the renewing of our minds, uh, and the only way to do that is from God's word that that He would transform us, that our minds would be renewed 303-690-3000-720-336-0897 uh, please pray for my friend donna who's just been diagnosed with ovarian cancer she has surgery next week and will start chemotherapy so father we pray for donna 
asking you to uh, st- stand with her God in this very difficult uh, season with this very scary diagnosis. I pray God for the surgery uh, that is scheduled, that she'll be able to have it, and that you will prepare and strengthen her for the chemotherapy and the treatment that comes after that. And of course, God, that's the physical realm. We also pray bringing Donna into the spiritual realm, that you would be, uh, that you would heal God and bring healing to her body, that it would be demonstrative, demonstrative supernatural healing, uh, and that when they go in to look for the cancer, it's nothing that they expected that they saw in different pictures and MRIs and stuff. And so be with her mind, her spirit, her emotional well-being, and that give her physical strength to endure. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, uh, Warren over in Conifer is on the air. Warren, welcome to the program. I'm doing good, Warren. You're breaking up a little bit. Let's try again. Oh, no, you're breaking up a lot. Now we don't hear you. I'm sorry, Ed, can you hear me? There you go. Yes, sir. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, hi. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm okay. I wanted to call and get your perspective on your comment a little bit ago about the elderly, you know, being quickly approaching that myself. Uh, it just it concerns me that they are slowly becoming, you know, a throwaway part of society. States, uh, I'm sorry, Warren. Your phone service is not helping us. Uh, so let me talk to that. I didn't get the follow up, but maybe if you're driving, maybe you'll get to a new place. Um, because I would like to dialogue on this. And so what you shared uh, previously, there is definitely a, you know, there is a bias among generational differences or generational, uh, different generations and also generational differences uh, across the board. Uh, it's a, I think it's a part of our humanity, a part of our sinful fallen world, our, our own personal flesh of of the believer that one generation doesn't value another generation but you know that's foreign to the bible especially for the older generation uh, from hebrew culture and even biblical a biblical worldview values the aged and what they have to offer Um, elders are to be held in high esteem Um, someone that's getting older uh, and I look at someone like you, um, Warren, that I've served with with many years, and now you have the privilege, well, Pastor Ryan has the privilege of serving with you now in a new season, that that you have a lot to offer to the body of Christ. Uh, and your age, whatever that might be, uh, I know you're a little bit older than me, but whatever your age might be uh, is a value to the body of Christ. And the, the Bible teaches us that we not only should respect our elders, but also that the elders have a responsibility to equip and train the younger generation. So here's what I've seen, and hopefully you're still with us that you might be able to add to this, but here's what I've seen generally. There is a general disregard 
by the youth, you know, and this is a total general statement. Um, I'm not pegging um, age groups or anything, but let's just say younger and older. There's a, a general disregard of the aged by the younger generation. They don't value the wisdom, the age. Uh, they don't have the patience for those that are older. Um, they don't have uh, the desire to care for the old, uh, for, their, for the aged. You know, even in our Western culture, uh, it wasn't passed down very well, not com- you know, certainly not completely, but very well that the family takes care of the family. Um, in other cultures, it's a very strong given. In ours, it just depends on how you were raised. <clears throat> so the, the older generation, though, also has a bias toward the younger generation uh, that I've seen, and that is you know, the older generation has a general tendency of resistance to change, and, and there's an interpretation by the older generation of everything through the lens of the time that they grew up in. Um, and you see this as a m- small microcosm in the house, in the home, uh, where you know parents interpret everything through the paradigm of their how they grew up, uh, what they learned, and and it's challenging for them to adapt sometimes to the newness of what their kids are learning, and and then their kids, of course, uh, have a tendency to dismiss any anything that uh, or not anything, but many things that a parent would offer until they learn the hard way. Uh, which is inevitable um, because wisdom um, is justified uh, by, I forget what that verse is. Wisdom is justified by his by her hearers, I think. Um, but what do you think about that, Warren? Are you with us still? Her children. Hey, I'm sorry, Warren. I think your phone gave out on us. But I think it, I think depending on what generation we're in, uh, you know, there's a tendency to be biased to the other generation. So it's not just a young against the old. There also has a tendency from the older to the younger. And the way around that is to re- is to hold uh, a biblical worldview to every generation. Every generation is valuable. Um, you know, the young are to be trained not trained in the way it was done, you know, or way life was in a, in the other generation, but the way it should be done now in the moment. And, you know, it's just another divisive way, you know, division is just another divisive way to, or another way to keep people divided so that there's not a unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And, and it's, it's a. It's too bad. It's just another thing that takes our energy away, because the older needed, the younger needed. You know, every generation is important to God. Every generation. All right, let's move on to Centennial. Centennial is Pat on line two. Welcome to the program. Hi. Um. I. You know, Warren had the same question as I had. Um. The my concern was is I heard today that. You know that the younger generation has no regard for the older generation. They're like thinking that they're hoping that we will get this disease so that we'll all go away. <laughs> so um, basically, what you said to Mr. Warren was definitely spot on when when it came to my question and my concern. Well, I mean that's a pretty broad statement, you know, because that that would include my son and daughter, right? Because they're they're my son and daughter is the generation 
that uh-huh. would be considered. But I know that those 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 two individuals uh, have a respect for the aged. So I think as we isolate people, because I don't think it's just a generational thing um, with what you just said, because um, I mean, pretty let, let's sort that out because there are those that are older that take a more conspiratorial view uh, and say it's not real. And, you know, because across the board, there is a, um, there's a bias toward even this whole situation. Uh, And I would hope that young or old, and I've been telling these to our church every week, I've been, I've been asking them to, to, this is the greatest opportunity that we had in a very long time to show preference to one another and to esteem others more highly than ourselves. So the people that subscribe to what you just shared are just foolish. That's a foolish attitude to have. Um, you know, and I hope it's not to be named among believers, but it's fool. That's just foolish. Um, hoping people get it so that they can be eliminated. Um, and then foolishness might give way to carelessness, right? A, a person that just doesn't want doesn't want to wear a mask because nobody can tell me what to do, um, and that the young might just say nobody, and the old says the government can't tell me to put a mask on. You know, we've just got this inward rebellion in us. But anyone that would wish death upon a certain group of people, that's just foolishness. Oh, it's um, I just I it it just blew me away when I heard it. I just thought, oh my goodness, that I mean that how could people be that evil? Uh, thinking that and it just it broke my heart really it did um and um anyway um thank you i i I enjoyed what you were saying to mr warren that that answered um, most of my concerns i appreciate you pastor thank you thanks for joining us Uh bye-bye bye-bye 303-690-3000 we're going to move on to arizona keith is calling keith welcome to the program Hello, Pastor Ed. Hi, Keith. Yes, I had a question in regards to the topic that you brought up today. Uh, my mother okay. had passed away back in 2016. She had, um, after outpatient surgery on her back, she didn't make it home without passing okay. away. And okay. the uh, ambulance took her to the hospital and... So I, I don't know, she ended up being in the hospital for a couple of weeks um, on machines, but she was never uh, responsive, you know, to, to any of us visiting her. And it, yes. it didn't seem like she was there, present, you know, or I mean, in, in, her, in her body. Yes. But like I said, I didn't know how to handle that at the time. I am 52 now, but, you know, so five years ago or whatever. And my sister's about five years younger, and I know she had a hard time with it, too. Yes, it's very hard. Yeah. And so what's your question? I, I guess I wanted your uh, view on that. I, I Even to this day, I feel guilty. Um, I wasn't part of when they terminated her life, but they did. Um, yes. Her fiancé, you know, was part of that, and I wasn't there at the time two weeks later. Well, these things are very, very challenging, and the there there are two two specific ways to think of this that are important for us to remember. Uh, one is is that even though the circumstances of your mom uh, were very difficult and very challenging, um, the Bible says that 
she lived as long as she would have and that her days were already written for her. You know, we're discovering that. Uh, but from the Bible's perspective, God knew how many days your mom would live. We don't know that, but he did. And you guys discovered the days that were, um, that, that were reserved for her. Uh, when faced with these kind of dilemmas, I always encourage people and have practiced this myself in my own personal life that we default toward a biblical worldview. And a biblical worldview is one that values life at every stage. And a person is alive while they're breathing. The Bible defines life as breathing. Uh, it, it doesn't define uh, life as walking. It doesn't define life as seeing. It doesn't define life as playing basketball or driving a car or living in your own house, or renting a car, or renting a house. You know, all the things that are used to define life, life is defined by breath. Um, life started with Adam uh, when he was breathed life into him in the book of Genesis. And we have an example of life leaving Jesus Christ when he gave up his ghost. He gave up the spirit. He took his last breath on the cross. And so... When, to, to speak to these feelings of guilt, um, those are normal feelings at any time during death. Anytime we suddenly, you know, another way of describing this is this, like it was a sudden tragic loss. And grief is hard enough when there isn't a suddenness or a tragicness to it. Uh, and then not being there and not being able to speak up only adds uh, complications to the situation and and so you can take that guilt and you can lay it before the Lord and he'll heal you and encourage you. And certainly if you were there or you had the opportunity, you may have been able to speak up more or you might be able to have um, done something different, um, but, but you're not able to now. It's over. And right. I was looking up that passage for you. Let me just find it. Uh, it's in, I believe it's in Psalm... Um, 139. So let me open up my Bibles. It's a scripture that a brother shared with me uh, to help some perspective with me um, when my son passed away and decisions were made that we weren't able to make a, to be a part of too. And it yeah. was tragic. It was just ridiculous um, and painful. Um, but it is the way that God allowed it to happen. And the Bible says, my frame, this is Psalm 139 verse 15, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. My, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me. And from God's perspective and eternal perspective, there was no tragic um, sudden loss. These were the days written for our loved ones. Now, when you take the biblical and you live it out practically, I say that there's a choice that that anyone that's in that that position would go to the very end, choosing life and making choices toward life, not toward death. Um, making choices to um, with hope and not hopelessness. Making choices of of being hopeful and 
expecting God to do a work and expecting God to uh, use that life as a testimony uh, and and being able to stand in the gap for a person that can't speak for themselves, which, Keith, leads me to my final thought on this, and that is if you are hearing that my voice right now, it's very, very important that you go to an attorney right away uh, and fill out a, a, a living will uh, because a living will will speak for you when you can't speak for yourself. Because if you don't have one, there's a good possibility someone will speak for you and not speak properly. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to Calvary Live, taking your calls and your questions. 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Keith actually dropped off, but uh, I think we pretty much closed the gap on that. I want to repeat for those of you just tuning in that it's very important that you get in writing a living will. And it's very difficult to write down your thoughts of what you want, what decisions you would like if you're unable to make those decisions for yourself. But please trust me on this. Uh, It is a very painful thing to experience when you see people making decisions uh, for your loved one that they would not make for themselves simply because they're incapacitated or in a coma. It, it is, you don't want to experience that. So get a living will. It is worth the couple hundred bucks that you need to, um, that, that it would take for an attorney to draft that. Um, you might even be able to get a software package, but you know, an attorney would be able to give you the ins and outs of, I'm not recommending any attorneys or anything. I'm just telling you, like now, when I it, if I'm ever involved in premarital, uh, I don't care what age, because a lot of times you think, well, I don't need a will, I don't need a trust, I don't need a uh, a, a living will because I'm young and uh, it doesn't matter. Um, no, my my son was 27 years old, and it mattered greatly, uh, and. It doesn't. It, it's not a. It's not a, an issue of whether you own stuff. Uh, if you're a millionaire, my son definitely was not a millionaire, uh, but uh, his wishes were not in writing. So uh, his wishes uh, don't exist. They died with him, and it's good to put it in writing. Literally, believe me, trust me. 303-690-3000. Mike up in Eaton, Colorado. Mike, welcome to the program. Hey, Ed. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Good. So I got a weird question. I never even thought about this before, but my son-in-law asked me the other day. We were okay. kind of discussing things because they're kind of into uh, the Judaism. They're going to the like the legalism side of stuff. And um, okay. he said that his definition of love is, he goes back to John where it says, God says, if you love me, you obey all my commandments. 
So sure. he kind of said, that's why they follow the law, because God commanded all that stuff. And then he asked me, he's like, well, what's your definition of love? And I'm like, well, me personally, like the Holy Spirit tells me when I am in, when I'm not loving God. I mean, it just kind of convicts me. But I don't know if there's a definition in the Bible that defines what love, loving God means, or is there a definition, or I guess that's my question. Well, there's question. a few things. Yeah, that's a great question, because, you know, the in the Shema, we're told to love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbors, ourselves, and so to understand that question and to come to some kind of understanding of what it means is super important. Um, but before we get to that, let me just add, and it may be a little complicated in your thinking, but I hope not, and for is this, did you say this is your son? My son-in-law, yeah. Okay, so for your in order for your son-in-law to jump to the back of the Bible and use First uh, John or even John, where Jesus says, "If you love me, keep my commandments," like in order for him to jump to the back of the Bible, he actually has to leave covenants. So he he can't use a a new covenant uh, statement, First John, and read it back into the old covenant. That's why we keep all the laws. Um, that, that's a, that's a tremendous misunderstanding, uh, and misuse of the scriptures. Uh, and, and he should know, he, his studies of scripture should, he should put him in a better position than to say, well, the Bible says in new, in the new, I mean, he probably didn't make that distinction, but for him to say, in effect, the Bible says in the new Testament that love is keeping commandments. And that's why we go to the old Testament and we keep all the commandments, which he actually doesn't. That's the whole point of the law. There is no way in the world your son-in-law keeps the commandments. Um, oh, I agree. He actually, he actually keeps a select group of commandments that are easy for him to do, but even those he doesn't keep perfectly. Um, and that's the whole point of God laying before us the strictness of the law. That's that's the whole point of why God would have a a regular sacrifice at the temple and an annual sacrifice at the temple because the blood would cover sin uh, until the following year, and then the next sacrificial animal would cover sin uh, until Messiah comes, where now our love is defined as living and abiding in Christ. So that's a bigger question, but I want you to understand that he's making a tremendous leap there that he's missing some he's missing some significant bridges from the old new covenant to the new. He can't have it both ways. Um, I know he wants it both ways, but he can't have it both ways. Yeah, so, let's and I go. think his heart is right because he wants to. He knows Christ died on the cross for the forgiveness of sins, and he knows that. But he said that he feels the way he needs to show his love to God is through following the law. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's just been a battle with us. But we'll keep working so I on don't, that part. <laughs> So then I would say, though, that I don't completely disagree with him. Um, I don't completely disagree with a statement that says something like this. Um, love uh, uh, To love God means to obey him. Uh, I think that that's an accurate statement. Uh, Jesus said, like I mentioned earlier, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You know, that's he repeats that a couple times. It's repeated in John. Um, but, but it's not in... The obedience is not an... Um, outward, um, for show, um, to give some kind of sense of assurance in our lives. 
but rather it's an outflow of love, right? You know, I, I was just telling Marie yesterday, my wife, I was saying, you know, um, I hate doing the dishes. Um, it's my responsibility around the house. Even with the dishwasher, it's my responsibility about doing them around the house. I, I do that. I, I'm, that's my deal. Um, it used to be the kids until they all moved out, and now it's my deal. And, and I hate it. I've hated it my whole life from a kid all the way through. However, um, I set that hatred aside in order for, to help my wife. So to serve in my house, I do it because I love my wife. I do it because I really, I could say in a very real way, I do the dishes in our home because I love my family and because I love God. And I want to, I want to be a, a help in my, in my home. I don't do the dishes because I have to. I do the dishes, and this is hard to say, but I do the dishes because I want to. Um, and, and the reason I want to is because love, a true love, and it's not the syrupy kind of love. It's not, you know, I don't wash the dishes and go hug my wife and kiss her. Like I do the dishes, and many times I don't even think about her. I'm just doing the dishes because it's my contribution to the home, and it's, my, it's one of the expressions of love that I have in my home. And so I wouldn't necessarily uh, disagree with your son-in-law with the sense of one of the ways I want to show my love for God is through obedience. But, you know, the Bible defines loving God a lot of different ways. Um, worshiping God is an act of love. Praising God is an act of love. Um, seeking Him first is an act of love. Desiring Him is the act of love. Uh, the, enjoying Him is an act of love. Abiding in Him. I mean, a life of loving God encompasses all and probably things we don't even know yet that he becomes a priority in our lives and instead of our own selfish desires driving us, um, our lives are now driven or led by the Holy Spirit who leads us into all kinds of fruitful, wonderful, joyful things that are an outgrowth of our love relationship with God. Just like just like in a marriage. You know, I mean, I know his I know your daughter would not in any way um say, uh, you know, honey, uh, accept this from your son-in-law. Your daughter would no way accept this. Uh, you know, honey, um I am I'm going to do all of these things to prove my love to you. Your daughter was your daughter would say, What? Is that the kind of relationship we have? You just want to prove your love to me all the time? Don't you think I accept your love? You know, like she would be oh, longing, I'm sure, for more relational uh, things from your husband, from your daughter, your whatever. I, I'm all, my, I got everybody in my head, you know, from your son-in-law. Like <laughs> she, she wants relational uh, love. She yeah. doesn't want over and over again to say, I, I love you. Uh, well, what do you mean you love me? Well, because I do all these things for you. No, it's relational. Yeah, that's a really good example. I never thought of that. That's really good. And so the you know the idea of what your son-in-law is caught up in it, it is a it, it is a I don't doubt his desire. Like I don't doubt that he has a desire to please God and even a desire to love God. Uh, I I think that he's in a stage of his discipleship where if he's not open to other input. He's going to become a very he. He's on a path of a Pharisaical relationship with God, which I know is not what he wants. Nobody wants to be a Pharisee. Nobody starts out a Pharisee. Nobody. <laughs> um, 
we all start out with, my goodness, I can't believe you forgave me. I can't believe my sins are forgiven, my guilt and shame. God, I, I'm so excited. Take my life. Take, what can I do for you? I'm so excited. I want to read. I want to pray. I want to share. And then we start getting smart about the Bible. And then we become, instead of becoming lovers of God, and I know this is going to offend somebody, but it's okay. Instead of lovers of God, we become students of the Bible. And, and there is a big difference between disciple of Christ and student of the Bible. Oh boy, I agree. Now, and that, that makes a lot, a lot of sense. You can tell the difference in people's lives, and uh, you can tell the difference in a pastor's life. You can tell a difference in a, you know, it's, it, it, you can tell a difference in a husband. You know, you can tell a difference because the Bible tells us to uh, dwell with our wives with understanding. And so you can tell in a, in a marriage if a husband is a student of his wife. And that's a positive thing. You know, a, a someone that's really looking out to how can he serve, how can he love, how can he make his wife's life better? How can we enjoy our marriage more? You could tell the difference. And, you know, I think in uh, first, uh, I want to say it's first Corinthians eight. And, and I'm speaking from experience. My first couple years as a believer, um, I really lost the awe and wonder of being saved, and I, I went on a quest to know the Bible. And I think a quest to know the Bible is great as long as it is in its right context that the Bible, in order, when we know the Bible, uh, we're going to know the author. Like, that's the whole point. You want to know the author, not just the output. And I'll just finish yeah. here. In 1 Corinthians 8, it says, Paul says in verse 1, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And then he says this, which is really interesting. Coming from a guy like him, who was a Bible genius, you know, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, that had to be knocked off his beat, his animal on the way to Damascus. I mean, this guy was so knowledgeable about the Bible, he felt like he was so close to God, he felt like his obedience was so perfect that he was going to kill people in the name of God. Whoa. That's how far he got. That he felt like he was doing God a service by desiring to single-handedly wipe out Christianity. That's why he was going to Damascus. That's what he was headed up there for, to destroy a faction of believers. And so here's what he says. This is the same man. This is mind-blowing. He says, if anyone thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But listen, if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Do you see what he did here? He puts knowledge in opposition to relationship. Yeah. Oh, that's really heavy. And that's 1 Corinthians 8? 8, 1, 2, and 3. And, and this oh. is the thing. You want to know love? You want to know if you're loving God? He's, you, you are known by him. You are one with him. You are enjoying him. You you haven't stopped at his commandments. You've gone to him directly. It's pretty powerful to to think wow. through. That is that's awesome. That man, this has been so helpful. I appreciate this so much because I've really been struggling oh, you're with welcome. that. And I'm like, so. Well, thank you again so much, and thank you for all you do, and stay safe, Pastor Ed. Okay, Mike. Thanks, brother. Bye bye. 303-690-3000. Over to Greeley, Colorado. Rick, welcome to the program. Hi. 
Rick. Hey, what's going on? How are you? Praise the Lord. I'm doing great. Uh, I just want to just help a few people out. It's, uh, I mean, they, they flew over and dropped, you know, flew over and supported really the Thunderbirds. That's great. Oh, yeah. You know, that's great. I wish they would have dropped some toilet paper on us to help us because we were all out, but that's good. But I want to help the folks just get through what we're going through because it's like the plagues in the Bible. They went through them, too, in their times. And uh, just, I go to Psalms 24, trust in the Lord. Yes. You know, you got to go to Psalms 24 and start trusting in God. Start trusting and start re-picking up that book. Opening it up is telling you how to get financial security. Financial security is, you know, clean your house. You know, keep your own, keep your, your house clean, your physical body, and keep your physical dwelling clean. Clean your house. Get rid of stuff. Take that money and pay for your bills. Pay for your medicine. Pay for your stuff. You don't need all that stuff. You can get that back. Hey, hey, Rick, we're, we're almost out of time for the show. Did you have a question with us? Oh, the question is, is I just wanted to, you know, see if there is, you know, I know I've read through the Bible and stuff like that, but uh-huh. it's, uh, <clears throat> it's just trying to find something that's going to connect the whole thing that's going on with us now uh, together. And I'm just trying to pinpoint that I got to, you know, a couple of things here, you know, if okay. you can help, you know, if you, if you can help, help, put yourself aside, serve others before you serve yourself, that's God's love. Yeah. That's a good so manifestation of love. Serve others before you serve yourself and help these people that need help. And yes. that's what, you know, I do. I agree with that. In the Bible, I want to try to find something that just can, someone can just go to that's very simple because a lot of people are on the milk right now. Um, just to understand, like, wow, I can just daily search, and it's daily. Yeah. Well, great. Well, I appreciate you calling. I was thinking uh, as well when he's, when you know, looking for things. Um, this is the one the Lord gave me uh, in Philippians chapter 2, and I'm going to just read from verse 1. So I would add this to your list. Uh, therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, hey, I'm going to read it. I know what it says in the New King James. Let me see if I can find it in the New Living. Let's see here. I should have this all set up, but I don't. Uh, so let me talk while I'm clicking. Therefore, if there's any, okay, it's New King James still. Sorry, guys. Uh, I'm going to get to you in a minute, Bianca. We're going to have time for that. If there's any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. Do not be selfish. Don't try to be humble. Excuse me. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves thinking of others better than themselves uh, in the old, in the new king james it says let each esteem others better than himself i like that so that's that's one of the verses that's really come to my heart on this 
All right, we're going to go. Bianca's been waiting patiently. Line three, Bianca, welcome to the program. Hi, I just have a quick prayer request. I know time's running out, but I just want prayer requests for what the Lord wants me to do in life, because nowadays I've just been doing things I usually never do. And Oh, wow. And lately I've been listening to the service from Ukraine online and Oh really? <laughs> I just really think the Lord is calling me in that direction at least to be an encouragement for Byron and Emily and so yes. I just like prayer that if he wants me to go there, that he would show me. And if he doesn't, then maybe for him to show me how I can encourage them. But that's what I've been doing. Okay, let's do that. Uh, Father, we, we pray for Bianca. She has a heart for Ukraine. And you've knit her heart together with Byron and Emily. Um, just wonderful just a wonderful young man and young woman that loves you and is serving wholeheartedly. I pray that you would give her wisdom uh, of what to do next in her life. Uh, I thank you for her perseverance. I thank you, God, for her um, commitment. Um, having watched Bianca through the ups and downs of life has been very encouraging. Uh, it's been challenging, too. She's had her ups and she's had her downs. And, and we pray, God, that uh, through this uh, season, uh, that you would give her wisdom on what's next. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks a lot. Hey, have you reached out to them yet? Yeah, I've been talking to them, well, messaging them on Facebook mostly. And okay. like I said, I have been attending their online services for maybe about a month now, I think. Yes. That's fantastic. I, I reach out to them every Monday, pretty much every Monday. And check in on them. I saw their their latest prayer uh, email and started praying for some new things in their heart. So pretty cool. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, and I'll call again some other day. If Do it. Something Do it. else comes up, or if the Lord tells me, you know what, you I want you to go to Ukraine or whatever it is. Yes. Wow. That's fantastic. Okay, thanks for calling, Bianca. All right, bye. Here's a question. That, why do we say a sinner's prayer that is man-made and not teach salvation as Jesus taught his disciples in the book of Acts? I'm confused about this. Okay, uh, you, I don't know what you mean by Jesus teaching his disciples in the book of Acts. So if you're listening to me, text that back. Uh, it says you're confused. Uh, Jesus never taught, bow heads, close your eyes, repeat after me. That's correct. Um, we do a lot of things in our practice that Jesus never taught. For example, if you are taking communion with a plastic cup with grape juice or even wine and a broken cracker, that was not how Jesus taught um, or at least instituted 
um, the the um, communion, what we know as communion, but for him it was the Passover meal. So a statement like, you know, we're not doing it the way Jesus taught. There's a lot of things that we don't do in our orthopraxy, in our orthopraxy that Jesus didn't uh didn't you know we we use microphones jesus didn't use a microphone we have buildings jesus didn't use a building um so the 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 way that you base your question doesn't um doesn't really substantiate what you're dealing with now if you think the sinner's prayer is not an accurate way to help someone commit their lives to christ um once again one of the things that jesus did is he called people to leave everything and follow him uh and of course, he's not here physically, so the sinner's prayer. I mean, if you if you're in a church where the pastor says uh, you you pray a sinner's prayer and you're saved, you can go live however you want. Then, geez, that there's bigger problems than the sinner's prayer. But the idea of helping a person confess their sin and helping them to uh, accept what God has done in their lives verbally in a point in time, like to to fulfill what. Uh, what's said in Romans to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, to bring a person to a point of decision in response to the conviction of the Spirit in their lives, I don't believe. Why do I, why do I help people pray a prayer of salvation? Because I want to help them uh, in a point in time confess their sins, repent of them, and acknowledge that God is sovereign over their lives or uh, completely the authority over their lives. And... Uh, and so, um, that the reality I do teach how Jesus uh, taught disciples in the Book of Acts. I do teach how the early church um, taught in the Book of Acts. I don't. I'm not sure that. I'm not sure that. Uh, um, I'm not sure if I'm completely answering your question. I, you also put in your text. We have so many things that man has brought into the house of worship. Um, we have. I, I agree. Worship looks different today in the 21st century in the Western culture than it does in the Eastern culture. But we have to ask ourselves, is it sinful? Because we can be orthodox, right? We can be in agreement in our orthodoxy, but have different orthopraxy. I know those are fancy words, but we can, we can, be, we can be unified in our doctrine and our belief, what the Bible teaches, but have different ways to practice or to live out our faith. And I, for one, don't think, I don't like the phrase sinner's prayer. I don't like that at all. I think it kind of is a caricature. It's a, like a straw man where you set up a straw man argument, you know, the straw man fallacy and logic, and you set up a straw man. And, you know, if it is what people think, you know, the sinner's prayer is like, how can a person be saved just by praying? Nobody's saved just by praying ever in their entire lives, ever. Only a person is saved because God has given them new life and they're born again. And he knocks people, you know, he saved Saul by knocking him off his animal and re- and revealing himself to him. Uh, that's an book of Acts um, salvation experience. Uh, when's the last time you saw God do that? You go, well, that was unique. I know, but it was the book of Acts. And that's where you, kind of like a previous call, we've got to be consistent in our understanding that God is able to do many different things. But I have to agree, I think, with the heart of what you're trying to get across. If you go to a church that just says, yeah, we just pray the sinner's prayer and that's that, without explaining salvation, without explaining sin, without explaining the blood of Jesus Christ, without explaining 
uh, you, unless a man is born again, like if it's just pray a prayer so we can click a, uh, uh, you know, a number up on the board of how many people are saved. No, that, I don't agree with that. And so I do think that that would definitely not be. And I don't think you have to close your eyes. I don't think you have to fold your hands. As a matter of fact, our Bible studies are aired on the radio all over the country. And I even say, if you're listening on the radio, don't close your eyes. <laughs> don't. Uh, if you're driving your car right now, you probably want to pull it over uh, so that you can compose yourself of, one of the most exciting time in all your life. So this is a great question. You should call next time. Call tomorrow. Lord willing, we'll be on tomorrow, same time. And I'd love to talk to you about it because I'm certain that we have some agreement on things. Uh, but the way that this was um, formed in the text, uh, we don't have much agreement, except I don't think a sinner's prayer saves anybody. So I guess we agree on that. All right, we're coming on to the end of the program. Today is, uh, uh, we have Bible study tonight, 7 o'clock, online, Book of Daniel, Worship, prayer, uh, the study of God's word, communion. Uh, we have a men's conference this weekend. I forgot to mention it, but I'll, uh, this weekend we have a men's conference. It's online. We are partnering together with Calvary, uh, Rocky Mountain Calvary and Calvary Worship Center in Colorado Springs and Calvary Church here in Aurora. Um, I will remember earlier in the show tomorrow to give you information on that. We should have a landing page by now uh, to... Because, it, because you're going to have to click each individual church for each session. It's pretty cool. We're trying to do what we can with the situation that it is. Tune in tonight, 7 o'clock, calvaryco.church. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.